0: But we begin our worship this evening. We're going to sing to God's praise. We're singing in Psalm 146 in the Sing Psalms version, page 191. Psalm 146 on page 191. We're going to sing uh, from verse 5 down to the end of the psalm. The tune is Sussex. Psalm 146 at verse 5. Blessed is the one who truly looks for help to Jacob's God. Blessed is the one who places all his hope upon the Lord. He who made the earth and heaven and the seas with all their store. He who keeps his every promise, who is faithful evermore. We'll sing from verse 5 down to the end of the psalm to God's praise we stand to sing.
1: Blessed is the one who truly looks for help to Jacob. And
0: Let's unite our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we are blessed to be called the children of God. We are blessed to be able to call upon you as our Father in heaven. We are blessed to be able to sing praise to you and to come and offer up our worship to you for all your goodness to us, for the blessings that are ours through your word Uh, through your spirit through your son christ jesus we thank you for this your day we thank you there is a day for the very purpose in which we have spent it in worshiping you in coming and hearing your word uh, fellowshipping with one another gathering round to uh, lift up our voices to you in praise and prayer to receive from you lord even as we come to offer up our worship lord we realize that you give us so much too, that you are the one who builds us up and binds us up and helps us in our every need. And we thank you today that we have been able to gather round the Lord's table to take part in the Lord's Supper. We know that as we read this morning, we proclaim, we show forth the Lord's death until he comes. And we thank you, Lord, that as we gather this evening too, that we come with that sense of thankfulness for the great sacrifice that was made for us. And we thank you that we can sing and echo these words of the psalm, Blessed is the one who truly looks for help to Jacob's God. Blessed is the one who places all his hope upon the Lord. And may we seek to do that once again this evening, and not just this evening or today, but in all the days ahead that we would go on in the week ahead seeking to do all these things, to place our hope upon the Lord, to continue to look to you as the one who made the earth and the heaven and the seas and all their store. We thank you for the wonder of the created world. We thank you for the wonder of all the power that we see around us. But above all, Lord, we marvel at the one who is behind it all, that you are the creator, the sustainer of all things. And how awesome that is for us, O Lord, to come to the one who is the maker, the one who is our maker, the one who made us in your image uh, with that purpose to worship and glorify and praise your name all our days. But yet, O Lord, as we think of the remembrance that we have had today, uh, we remember that Jesus came to die for us, uh, for we are sinners that in our relationship with you, there is a breakdown in it because of sin. There is a great void that came between uh, you and your people. But yet we thank you, Lord, that even though it was all of us running away from you, turning our back to you and seeking to worship other gods, that you have remembered us and that you continue to call us to yourself, that you continue to remind us that all our life, is found in you, that it is only in you that we live, move, and have our being. And we pray, Lord, that we will evermore depend upon you, that we will look to you for all the grace that we need for day to day, that we will look to you for grace to serve you, to love you, to honour you and to honour your people, that you will unite us together in our hearts, that you will bind us together in the cords of your love, to enable us, Lord, to be your witnesses, to be able, enable us to be a people who will go out from here and into the week ahead, rejoicing in the goodness of God and showing forth our praise of you, telling others of the wonder of the one who is able to give life and give it abundantly. We thank you that your gospel is good news, that is a great news for the world in which we live, a great news of hope, A great news that no matter what else comes our way in this world, that in Christ we have one who will stay close, closer than any brother, as the word says. And so we pray, Lord, that you will help us uh, to go on in the strength of the Lord, not seeking any glory for ourselves, but seeking the glory be yours, for worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And so, Lord, we thank you for our praying people here. We thank you for the longing, the desire you put in our hearts to be united together today and in all the times of worship we have. And we pray that you will continue to increase that desire, not just to be together on the Lord's Day or the midweek, but to fellowship with one another, to enjoy the company of one another, encouraging one another, helping one another, praying for one another. May you make us a community of your people for whom it is such a natural thing to be united together in one spirit, one mind, one heart, under one Christ. We pray, Lord, that that would be something that would spread throughout our community, throughout our islands, throughout our land and throughout the world, that your people will be built up and strengthened to all ends of the earth. And we thank you, Lord, that you are indeed a God is building his church, that you are the one who is at work near and far, that you are the one who is calling a people to himself, that you are the one who will uh, frustrate the wicked's purpose in this world when we see so much wickedness around us, Lord, we thank you that you are the one who is able uh, to frustrate these purposes for which uh, wicked men turn their hands to. And we think of all that is wrong in our world, and we think of the wickedness that we see near and far. We pray, Lord, that you will have mercy, that you will come in your power, that you will direct uh, men and women, boys and girls to turn from their evil ways and to turn to you. We thank you that uh, your reign is to every generation, and that for that we are able to praise your name and to lift up our prayers and In a sense of hope, Uh, we come in faith, O Lord, and help us that our faith will increase. That when we feel weak, Lord, you will give us strength. That when we feel uh, that sense of unable to go on, Lord, that you will uphold us and strengthen us. That you will guide our every step. That you will sustain us on this journey. And we thank you, Lord, that we come with that sense of prayer for one another. And when we think of all that's going on in our communities, in our homes, in our families just now, Lord. We continue to remember those with particular needs, those who are unwell, those who are grieving, those who are uh, going through various times of distress and trials in their lives. Lord, we thank you that you know each and every one, that you are able to bind up the broken-hearted, that you are able uh, to lift up those who are bowed down, that you are the one who protects and cares for the strangers, the widows, the fatherless, that you are the one who releases those in prison, that you are the one who gives the blind their sight, that you are the one who has all power and authority over all things. And so we pray, Lord, that you will draw near to all your people, to all who call upon you, to all who call upon you in truth. And Lord, we ask that you will continue with us this evening as we worship your name, as we open your word together, a word again that reminds us of why you came, that we might have life and have a life abundantly. And we pray, Lord, that you will continue to teach us through your word, to guide at every step by it, and to live according to your truth. So bless us in all that we do, Lord, the reading of your word, the singing of your praise, Help us to lift our voices up to you with joy, with delight, as offering up our praise to the only one who is worthy. Bless our fellowship this evening too, as we thank you to be able to share in these times together. We pray that you will encourage us through it, that you will bless Martin as he comes to speak to us at it. Lord, help us to pray for him and be encouraged by him, and that he would be encouraged through coming to speak to us. And Lord, go before us in the week ahead. Be with us in all we seek to do, in the meetings of our churches, our congregation, in so many different ways, whether it's in person, in prayer meetings, and serving you in different ways, whether it's online as folk will gather on Tuesday to have a time of prayer with Muriel. Lord, we remember her and pray for her, that you will surround her and bless her and keep her, make your face to shine upon her, and may she be encouraged as she serves you and as she encourages us, Lord, to look faithfully to you and to trust in you. So, Lord, hear all our prayers. Go before us in all our needs and pardon us for all our sin as we confess them anew this evening hour. Lord, we fall short of your glory so often, but we thank you for the forgiveness that you give. So, Lord, hear us and go before us now And all we ask We ask in Jesus' precious name and for his sake. Amen. Well, again, we'll sing to God's praise this time in Psalm 23 in the Sing Psalms, page 28 of the Psalm Book. Psalm 23 on page 28. Again, we'll sing the whole of this psalm. The tune is Tarawathi. The Lord is my shepherd, no want shall I know. He makes me lie down where the green pastures grow. He leads me to rest where the calm waters flow. Again, this psalm is our psalm. We sing often, maybe not the sing psalms version as often, but the words constantly remind us that our life, our hope is found in the Lord who is our shepherd. So we'll sing the whole of this psalm to God's praise.
1: The Lord is my shepherd, no one shall I know in In sight of my head.
0: turn together to read in the Gospel of Mark. <clears throat> We're reading in chapter 10, and we take up our reading at verse 32. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. and taking up our reading at verse 32, and we read down to the end of this chapter. Jesus and the disciples and the crowd are here traveling on their way up to Jerusalem, on their way to Jerusalem just before the crucifixion. And as we see, they come to the town of Jericho. And as they're leaving Jericho, uh, they come to this encounter with Bartimaeus, which is going to be our focus this evening. But we take up our reading at verse 32. And they were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Sebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Amen. And may God bless that reading from his word. So before we come to look at this passage, we'll sing together again in Psalm 34, in the Sing Psalms version, page 40 of the psalm book, Psalm 34, and we'll sing from verse 8 down to verse uh, 14, Psalm 34 at verse 8. Come, taste and see, the Lord is good. Who trusts in him is blessed. O fear the Lord, you saints with need. You will not be oppressed. Then down at verse 12, we have these words. Does anyone delight in life and long to see good days? Then keep your tongue from evil speech, your lips from lying ways. Depart and turn from evil paths and practice what is right. Desire to know the way of peace, pursue it. With your might. We'll sing from verse 8 down to verse 14. The tune is Kilmarnock.
1: Come, taste and see the Lord is good. Who trusts in him? children
0: We can turn back to our reading in the Gospel of Mark chapter 10. Our focus this evening in particular is on a verse 46 down to the end of the chapter where Jesus meets with this man Bartimaeus. And in verse 51 we read these words after blind Bartimaeus had got up on his feet and came running to Jesus. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. As we come to the close of our communion weekend, I want to once more just consider this passage where we read of Bartimaeus, but consider it in light of the verse that we've been thinking about in each of the services over the weekend, considering the reason for Jesus coming into the world. And that verse has been John 10, verse 10, where it says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus came that we might have life, And have it abundantly. And we began last evening by looking at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30. Where we considered the choice that was put before the people uh, there. The choice between life and death. Jesus came that we might have life abundantly. But there is another who seeks to steal and kill and destroy. And so we often have that choice before us. Who are we listening to? Which way are we going? Does anyone delight in life, as the psalmist said? And we are to pursue it with all our might, to pursue the Lord with all our might. So we had that choice put before us. Then this morning, as we gathered for the Lord's Supper, we were considering the one who is the source of life, Jesus who gave his body and his blood that we might have life through him. And tonight I want us to conclude uh, this theme of the way of life, looking at the way of life, the life that Jesus is able to give in abundance. And what does abundant life look like and how do we live it? If you were to meet Bartimaeus and be part of the crowd that was leaving Jericho and see Bartimaeus, your first impression wouldn't be there's one who has an abundant life. There's not someone who has life and life to the full. He's a beggar. He's blind. And yet, as we're going to see, he saw more than those who were walking with Jesus even at that time. He cried out in his great need, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. His plea was, For life. And as we look at the life of Bartimaeus, we see the compassion of Jesus. We thought about it recently in the Gospel of Mark, how Jesus saw the crowd and had compassion on them. Well, here is another instance of Jesus showing that compassion, compassion towards this blind beggar. And we see how He gives life, and life abundant, to Bartimaeus. And what Bartimaeus does is follow him on the way. And that way wouldn't be easy. That way wouldn't be all perfect in every way. It would have its ups and its downs. Like everyone who comes to follow Jesus and find the life that Jesus offers abundantly is not a life separate to challenges and trials, but it's a life with that great hope and assurance of not just life for now, but life abundant and life eternal through him. A missionary society once wrote to David Livingston after he was out in Africa for some time. And they asked him, have you found a good road to where you are? If so, we want to to know how to send other men to join you. Well, David Livingston's reply was to write back and say, if you have men who will come only if they know there is a good road, I don't want them. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. And that is the call that Jesus puts on our lives. Not that the way will be easy and perfect and straightforward. He says, whoever will come after me will take up his cross and follow me. There will be burdens for us in this life, but it is not without hope. It is not without the security that he is with us, that he has come to give us life and life in abundance, because the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But he has come that we might have life. And so as we look at this passage in Mark, Up till this point, Mark is a fast-moving gospel. Things move from one place to another very quickly. And here as we come into chapter 10, we're seeing Jesus, the disciples, and a crowd making their way up to Jerusalem. And they've come to to Jericho, a a large town about 18 miles from Jerusalem. And they've, they've gone through this town, And as they're leaving this town, we have this wonderful encounter between Jesus and Bartimaeus. In all the accounts of Jesus meeting with people, encountering people, this one often stands out for me. We may all have our different preferences of Jesus' encounters with different people. You might think of the woman at the well or or other people that Jesus met. So often there's very personal encounters that Jesus has with people. But this is one of my favorites. And it's my favorite for a number of different reasons. Because you see a few things here as he meets with Bartimaeus there's the timing of it, and there's the attitudes of those involved in it. When you think of the timing, Jesus has just told them in verse 32 to 34 of what he is going to do as he comes to Jerusalem. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem. Jesus was walking ahead of them, and he started to explain to them why they were going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. He's explaining to them why they are going. And the timing in this is he's just before his crucifixion. And yet even in the midst of this timing, there is still this purpose in what he is doing. He's on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill this, but you might excuse him to not want any distractions along the way. And especially a blind beggar who's crying out at the side of the road. But then you see his attitude. It's one where he has time, when he has time for Bartimaeus, because he came, as we read read in verse 45, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came that we might have life and have it abundantly, and he came that he might meet with the likes of Bartimaeus who he still had time for, and his attitude was one of compassion towards him. And it contrasts the attitude of those who were with him, the disciples, the crowd. And the attitude you see from them is one of mocking Bartimaeus, shouting at him to be quiet, to get away, don't bother the master. And you see the attitude of James and John in the previous section, verse 35 to 45. Their attitude of wanting glory for themselves to sit one at the right and one at the left in glory. This is the kind of attitudes that were there. James and John, if you just want to notice, they come to Jesus with demands in verse 35. Teacher, we want you to do for us Whatever we ask of you, they're demanding. And look at what Jesus says. He said to them, what do you want me to do for you? And what do you see with Bartimaeus? He didn't come making demands. He came crying out to Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But look at what he says in verse 51 to Bartimaeus. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do? To do for you? The very same question that he'd asked of James and John, but their attitude was one of seeking glory. And you see the contrast here in Bartimaeus' attitude when Jesus says, What do you want me to do for you? He says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. So this is a wonderful encounter. It's a reminder to us of the personal nature of Jesus' ministry, how he came, how he had time, how he had compassion, how he came to give life. And I want us to think for ourselves this evening of three things uh, from Bartimaeus' experience, three things that we can so easily apply to ourselves as we think of what is it to have abundant life? And how do we live this life of abundance? Well, the first thing we're going to see is his condition. Bartimaeus' condition. The second thing we'll see is his cry. And then thirdly, we'll see his cure. So first of all, we see Bartimaeus and his condition. The diagnosis for Bartimaeus is bleak. In terms of what kind of life he'd had and what the future held for him, people would have seen him as hopeless. They were leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd. Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. So I said, this isn't someone you would look at and think. Here's someone who has great hope in his life. And the crowd mocked him and rebuked him. But what of Bartimaeus's condition? How would you think, first of all, that this is a hopeless case? Well, firstly, he's blind. And this isn't something that was uncommon in Jesus' day. Many eye conditions that could easily be treated today, they were incurable in Jesus' day. And people who were blind were often cast to the side. They were often seen as a burden to the, even their own families. So they were put away. And they had nowhere to turn. To be blind was to be struck down in many ways. And your case was hopeless. And the only option was what we see secondly about him. His condition was he was a beggar. He was needy. He was dependent on others and their generosity uh, to help him survive. And that is how he would seem in the eyes of those, or many of the eyes of those who were passing by. Even in our own eyes, today as you read this passage, Bartimaeus initially maybe seems like just a hopeless case. And yet, as you read through, you see Bartimaeus had a greater vision than many who were passing by. He may have been physically blind, but his eyes were seeing something else on Jesus. How so? Well, first of all, we see that he knew what to do. Jesus and the crowd, they were leaving Jericho on the way up to Jerusalem. And as we were thinking of this morning, this was the time when they were going to prepare the Passover. So many people would have been making their way up to Jerusalem, just like Jesus and his disciples, going to observe the Passover. And so Bartimaeus is here. He's in the hot spot, if you like, for collecting from people. It's like we would see today, people sitting outside train stations or busy high streets. There's the prime locations where people will fight and jostle over to get the prime spot where they're likely to get something. Well, Bartimaeus is here outside Jericho where many people are passing by. But more importantly, although he was able to provide for his needs in this way physically, there was something else about Bartimaeus that would make us see that he was not a hopeless case. He was blind physically, but he was not deaf. And as he'd been hearing people passing by, he'd have been hearing maybe over a number of weeks or even months, he'd have been hearing people talking about Jesus. He'd have been hearing what was happening in different places through the miracles of Jesus, through the works Of Jesus he was hearing of one who was able to help so his condition may seem hopeless initially but actually behind it all there is hope he was listening he was in the right place we ask ourselves what is our condition today what is your condition in this sense tonight Are you here listening to what God is saying? Are you here seeing you're in the right place? That you're hearing the word of God? Are you deaf? Are you shunning it? Or are you listening to what is being said? Are you realizing the importance of it? That here we have Jesus, as it were, passing by. That he is speaking to us. Bartimaeus is was blind, and yet he was able to see his greatest need. And for ourselves, too, surely we need to see our greatest need is Christ. Our greatest need is here before us this evening. Our greatest need is perhaps something we've been hearing about over many, many years, but we've been deaf to it. We've not been listening, (coughs) but we see our condition We are indeed helpless and hopeless without Christ. But here we are under his word. It is a time of opportunity. It's another time to hear the gospel of the riches of Christ who is able to give us life. (coughs) Someone else who recognized his own condition was the man John Newton. In many ways, he had his life all planned out. He was in the slave trade. He was making money, living a riotous life. He thought he had his life all planned out. But then he began to realize his condition. And that's what brought him to write those words, Amazing Grace, and how sweet the sound. But look at how he describes himself in that hymn. A wretch, one who was lost, one who was blind. That is how he saw his condition. But what made the difference in his life? Grace. It grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. He recognized his condition. A wretch who was lost and who was blind, but who was able to say, I am found and now I see. And that is the wonder of what Jesus has come to do, to open the eyes of the blind, to help us to see him. John Newton recognized his condition. Bartimaeus recognized his condition. And if we recognize our condition today as lost and helpless sinners, what can we do about it? How then can we find uh, this abundant life that Jesus offers? Well, we learn again our second lesson from Bartimaeus. What did he do? As Jesus was passing by, what did he do? He cried out. In verse 47, And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, (coughs) he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. What a cry he had. And even though it goes on to say they began to rebuke him, telling him to be silent, what did he do? He was stubborn. He cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. He wasn't going to be turned away. He had heard who Jesus was. He was hearing that he was passing by, and he cried out. He knew that Jesus could help. He would have heard of the miracles of Jesus, healing lepers, healing the demon-possessed, even bringing the dead back to life. And here is the one who is the source of life. And the choice is there before Bartimaeus. Do I cry out or not? Life or death? Which is it going to be? Well, he cries out. And he cries out all the more. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And we have to recognize who Jesus is for ourselves. Look at the way he says it. Jesus, son of David. So much understanding behind his cry. It's not just Jesus. Jesus, son of David. The fulfillment of the scriptures. The promise of God that he would send his son into this world the one who was going to come, he is here before Bartimaeus. In the same way as he appeared to the woman of Samaria at the well and who said, we know that Christ is coming. And Jesus says, I who you speak of am he. He was there. He is here with Bartimaeus. And we can cry out to the same Jesus ourselves. Jesus Son of David, have mercy on me. That is the cry we need to have if we want to have that abundant life. If we want to know that assurance of eternal life, we need to cry out. And sometimes it's to cry out all the more, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. You see, Bartimaeus, he realized what Jesus could do. And is there anyone here who doesn't know what Jesus can do for you? The the Bible makes it so clear. What Jesus can do for you is to give you life, and life abundantly. Because the alternative is the thief who comes to seek, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life. And Bartimaeus saw his greatest opportunity had come. For years, he would have been sitting here, a blind beggar, helpless in so many ways. But as Jesus is passing by, he realizes the opportunity. And he's not going to let this opportunity pass him by. He recognizes, just like Peter and the disciples who said, You know, to whom else can we go? For you have the words of eternal life. There's nowhere else that this help is going to come from. And for Bartimaeus, there's no other help for him apart from in Christ. So he cries out. And he recognizes that this opportunity could easily pass him by. You know, if Bartimaeus had sat silently, Jesus wasn't going to pass that way again. He was on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to give his life as a ransom for many. And for so many, that opportunity, you let it pass by. The cry doesn't come. And Jesus is here tonight. For Bartimaeus, no cry would have been Tomorrow, just another day like the one before and the one before that. No different. But as we cry out to God for help, He is able to give us, as it were, a new tomorrow. A new tomorrow where we go in the strength of the Lord. We rejoice in the hope that He gives. The life and life abundant that He is able to give to us. In faith, we are to recognize that this this opportunity could easily pass us by. And you don't want to be in that situation where you say, if only I had another opportunity. Today, if you hear his voice, as the psalmist says, do not harden your heart. Cry out. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. The third and final thing we see here is his cure. When Jesus heard his cry, he said, Call him. And they called him and said, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. Jesus, stop. It's an amazing image, this, the crowd rebuking Bartimaeus, mocking, telling him to be silent, but Jesus stopping and saying, call him. In the midst of facing the climb up to, up to Jerusalem, facing up to the fact that he was going to his death, Jesus has this compassion and concern to look at the beggar and to have time for him. You know, in many ways, you could have thought James and John, they would have been so much more important than this beggar. If they were to ask, you know, whatever, what do you want? We want you to do for us, whatever we ask of you. You think, Jesus, well, just tell me and I'll do it. But he doesn't because their motive was wrong. They wanted glory. And so Jesus rebuked them. But what would they have thought now as they're seeing Jesus saying those very same words to this blind beggar? What do you want me to do for you? But look at the simplicity of Bartimaeus' answer. Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Who is important to Jesus in this passage? They all are. Because Jesus is showing his compassion to James and John, even in rebuking them. He's teaching them what it means to be a disciple, to follow him. You need to let go the hope of glory. You need to let go the sense of status and power. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all, he said. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There was teaching in that. But he had a concern for Bartimaeus too. He was important as well. And that's a reminder to us. Maybe we don't feel important to Jesus. He won't trouble himself with me. He'll see nothing in me. Well, what he sees is that you are made In his image. That you have a soul that is precious to him. And that is why he came. Because the thief wants to steal and kill and destroy that soul. But Jesus has come that you might have life and have it abundantly. So as he says, what do you want me to do for you? He says, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Let me see. Isn't that a beautiful response of all the things he could have asked for? He just says, Rabbi, teacher, let me see. And isn't that the response that we should all want? Not glory, not status, not power, nor any of these things, but just to come, Lord, have mercy on me. Let me see. Because this is about not just seeing physically, but seeing spiritually. This is coming as you see with Jesus' response. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. The faith was there. And Jesus opened his eyes. And I'm sure for many here tonight, the faith is there. But your eyes just need to be opened. And that's our prayer. Rabbi, teacher, let me see. Sometimes we just need to be disturbed in our life. And there's a prayer often attributed to Francis Drake. And it's a prayer that we could all pray where he says this, Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we have sailed too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess we have lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream of eternity, and in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of the new heaven to dim. Disturb us. That's sometimes what we need. Disturb us when we see the abundance of things we possess, and yet we have lost our thirst for the waters. Of life. May God give us a thirst for Him, a desire to see Him. That as we come away from the Lord's table today, as we come away from the Lord's day and this season of communion, that we would come away with the response of Bartimaeus, Rabbi, let me see, and to know the blessing of the cure that Jesus gives. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And to respond like Bartimaeus, who immediately recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Let us look to Jesus and see the one who is able to give us life and life abundant and follow him on the way. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks, O Lord, for your remembrance of us, for your compassion towards us that is so great. That despite our hopelessness, despite all the, mars- the scars of sin in our lives and in our hearts, that you are the one who shows us so much compassion, that you are the one who even comes anew this evening asking us what you want me to do for you. And we pray, Lord, to have the faith of Bartimaeus and the hope of Bartimaeus, to cry out to the Lord, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And as we come, help us to see. Help us to see you and follow you on the way, as we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll conclude uh, this evening by singing to God's praise the words of Psalm 16 in the Sing Psalms on page 17 uh, from verse 8 down to the end of the psalm. A wonderful psalm that reminds us as we come away from the Lord's table, how we are to live, how we are to go on in the life of the strength of the Lord is to set him constantly before us. Before me constantly I set the Lord alone. Because he is at my right hand, I'll not be overthrown. Therefore my heart is glad. My tongue with joy will sing. My body too will rest secure in hope unwavering. We'll sing from verse 8 to the end of the psalm to God's praise.
1: Me constantly.
0: going next door I'll give thanks for the food that's been prepared and then close with the benediction and after the benediction if you'll allow James to go uh, to the main door I'll go to the door to my left hand side here. Lord our gracious God we continue to look to you for all the good gifts that you provide for us day by day. We give you thanks O oh Lord for this day for our fellowship for the blessings you have bestowed upon us Lord with encouragements Uh, with your word, with sacrament. And we pray, Lord, that your blessing would go with us, that we will continue in our fellowship next door to enjoy your presence and your peace with us, that you will bless our time and bless all the provision that has been made for us, Lord. We thank you for all who help in every way in serving uh, you and your people here. And now may grace, mercy, and peace from God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon and abide with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.